Welcome to Mindset Reset Radio. I'm your host, Jess, and I'm on a mission to help female entrepreneurs like you get intentional in life and business. So if you're feeling stuck, you're looking for inspiration, or you just want to be reminded that you're not alone on this crazy entrepreneurial journey, you've landed in the right place. You can join our community of intention getters on Instagram at Jessica Thiefels, that's me, and you can learn more about how I can support you in business and mindset at jessicathiefels.com. Finally, if you love what you hear, please don't forget to rate and review the podcast. I'll be forever grateful. Now, sit back, grab a journal, and get ready to start living with intention. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Mindset Reset Radio. I'm really excited for this, what I am imagining is going to be a very powerful conversation with Natanya, who spent the first part of her career living by coastal between New York and Los Angeles, creating global brand marketing campaigns for Fortune 500 brands like Adidas, BMW, Coca-Cola. And while successful by society's terms, she knew that she wasn't living up to her full potential. So tired of saying one day, we all know that, she finally listened to that internal voice and leapt into the unknown. Leaving behind a successful career, she booked a one-way ticket to Paris to realize her potential and create her dream life. And shortly after, the Bravo life was born to inspire women around the world to realize and actualize their full potential. Now a global community of more than 40,000 women, the Bravo life provides coaching, resources, live experiences, and retreats for women worldwide who are committed to living their best lives as their best selves. Welcome, Natanya. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to chat today. I have listened to your podcast for a while and really, um, as we'll talk about today, like a huge fan of anything mindset related and getting out of our own way. So I'm excited to chat. Yeah. Awesome. And you are the perfect person to talk about this topic of fear because I imagine you push through a lot of fear personally to do the things you've done in your life. So before we dive in, though, give us a little bit more about who you are and what you do. Yeah. So as you mentioned, I'm a business and mindset coach. I primarily work with female coaches and consultants who are looking to create and scale purpose-driven businesses. But I also do events and retreats. I'm very into manifestation and a lot of mindset things. So I do a little bit of that as well. But my primary business and focus with the Bravo Life is our business and mindset coaching. Awesome. And what, just out of curiosity, like what led you to coaching? Like give us, give us like the gap there between the one-way ticket to Paris and the Bravo life. How did that happen? So I never set out to be a coach. I don't, I had in my own life coach, but I never imagined myself doing it at all. (laughs) When I left New York to move to Paris, it really was just this calling. I think we all get these internal whispers that have been pulling us. And there was something about Paris that always called me there. And I'd always journaled about creating a platform for women's empowerment, but I didn't really know what that meant, right? Mm -hmm. We have these ideas in our brain, but like, what does that mean tangibly? Is it a blog? Is it a YouTube? Is it a magazine? Like, what is it? And so I just went to Paris. I didn't really have a plan. I had about six months of savings and I was like, I'm going to give myself six months to play because I'd been so rigid in my 
corporate and prior life of everything has to be perfectly planned out. I have to know exactly what I'm doing. So it was the first time where I let myself get really uncomfortable, which it was extremely uncomfortable (laughs) to not have a plan, not know where money was coming from, not know what I was going to do the next day. And that space and creativity allowed me to naturally start to just share my story of what I was doing, what I was uncovering. And because I have a background in brand marketing, I did brand marketing for 10 years. People started to ask me, Like, can you help me with my business? Or I really would love to do something like what you're doing. And so it really found me. I didn't really like go out and intentionally search to be a coach. Um, As I started to grow, I went and got certified so I could learn a little bit more about it. But honestly, people just, from me sharing my story, naturally started to ask for that type of support. And it grew from there. Wow. That's awesome. I love that organic growth. That's how my coaching started too. I wasn't ever planning on offering it in some someone at a networking event, she just was like, Hey, I don't want social media consulting, but could you like coach me on it? So I could eventually do it myself. And I was like, I mean, I guess so. I never <laughs> thought about that before, yeah. but sure. Why not? And, and now it's a big part of what I offer and obviously has scaled much more since then into many areas. But, uh, I, sometimes the best things find us that way, right? Yeah. We get organically drawn to it, but I imagine let's talk about how, shifting into this idea of fear and how that can affect us. Like in those moments where we're being called and the fear comes in, talk to us a little bit about like what's happening there and like, how can we shift through that so we can follow the calling or I guess fear is the calling. I don't know. You give us a So I like to reframe fear and use it to drive me. So, you know, for example, when I was thinking of moving to Paris, there's, well, I don't speak the language. I don't know anyone. I don't have a job. What am I going to, and there's all the reasons why not to do it, which really at the end of the day, looking back for me, I know were excuses, right. To keep Mm -hmm. me small, to keep me playing safe, to keep me in what's comfortable. And so what got me on the plane was really the fear of, what if 10 years from now, I don't do this? What mm-hmm. am I going to be thinking? What am I going to be wondering? What questions am I going to be answering, asking myself? You know, what if I would have gotten on that plane to Paris? What if I would have finally done the things that I'd been journaling about for years, created this platform, started a blog, started a YouTube channel, whatever that looks like for you, those little nudges that you get aren't random. If you have a vision, even if it's a blurry vision, it's yours and it's meant to be brought forth, but you're absolutely, you're, our brain's automatically going to overdrive of all the reasons it's not going to work. And so what if it works out better than you can like possibly imagine is how I usually try to like train myself. And it really is a muscle to be built, Mm -hmm. which I'm sure you know as well. It's not that it goes away. I think, especially as I work with clients who are somewhat new to entrepreneurship, they're like, okay, but once I start getting clients, like then I won't feel the imposter syndrome anymore. I won't have the fear. And I've now worked with over a thousand clients and I can tell you every single day I'm scared and I have imposter syndrome and I have, (laughs) it doesn't go away. I just have better tools. So I'm really about leaning into where I feel fear and a little bit of fear and a little bit of excitement for me is like a go sign. Mm. And I try to reframe it as like, but what if, so I'm afraid someone's going to say no. What if someone else says yes, right? And I missed out on that because I didn't share the first version of my course or the first version of my podcast. I'm afraid of missing out on that. 
I'm afraid of missing out on opportunities that I didn't get because I didn't go to this networking event because I was afraid that I was going to be standing in the corner and no one was going to talk to me. So I use that reframe for myself. And again, it, it it's not just like it goes away. It's a click. Every single day, I have to force myself to look at how can I get out of my own way today? Mm-hmm. And how can I look at fear also is, is, I'm sure some of you have heard this analogy, false evidence appearing real, mm-hmm. which really we're either stuck in the past. So something that's not even existing anymore, or we're trying to predict the future, which 90% of the time we're trying to predict the future of these what if scenarios that have never happened and probably never will happen. Right. And so I try to look at what is really there and give myself more evidence of like positive than trying to search for some non-existent, non-purposeful event that hasn't actually happened yet and probably never will happen. And so that's really how I like to look at fear as like a driving force of I'm afraid, but also like a little excited. And I think we all know that feeling of like, oh, it's exciting, but like terrifying. And I want to pee on myself. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm like, go, go. That is your calling. Like you have to go. Yeah. I love that. And one thing you said, or the way that you said it, the idea of there being two fears, the mm-hmm. fear of doing it, getting on the plane. Oh my God. But then the fear of not doing it. Yeah. And I think that's a really powerful reframe too, which is kind of what you were saying, but even reframing it more specifically, like, okay, I'm afraid of this, but what's on, what am I afraid of on the other side of that? Mm-hmm. You know, what am I afraid of missing out on or afraid of wishing I had done or afraid of regretting in five years from now? Yeah. And I think once we start to take those little steps into whatever that calling is for you, we start to get signs and nudges along the way that confirm we're on the right path. And Mm -hmm. so you won't be alone on this. For me, that was when I quit my job, my boss telling me like, I wish I would have done what you're doing at your age. Like, I'm so proud of you. And it was just confirmation for me of like, she, she was almost like jealous. Like, I wish I could go back and do that. When I was getting on the plane, going to the airport, my Uber driver was asking me like, what are you doing? What are you doing in Paris? And I told him I'm moving. And I was like about to, you know, when you're tearing up, I was like, I'm moving, (laughs) like very terrified. And he was like, oh my gosh, I'm so proud of you. And it was very genuine. This man that I don't know, who's driven like tons of cues, like you're literally the most inspiring person I've ever had in my car. And those little confirmations happen to all of us, but it requires following that fear. Mm -hmm. Even when you don't know how the story is going to pan out. You know, I didn't know that I was going to start a business, that it would work, not work, what that would look like, but you start to get little confirmation along your way, but you can't get that confirmation without taking the little steps that lead to the big step. Absolutely. And there's a big piece of what you're saying that reminds me a lot of what I talk about, which is you don't have to know how it's going to work and life is going to organically unfold for you if you follow that fear, if you allow it to guide you rather than resisting it and trying to control the outcome yourself or wait until you can see what the correct or rather than you rather than waiting to confirm that oh this will be the outcome I was waiting for. You know, just trusting. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think you actually, there's no way for you to know the outcome because I couldn't have imagined that I would have created something like what I've created now. It's far better, grander than I could have possibly envisioned from the perspective I was when I was starting. And so I almost like look at what if it turns out better than I can possibly imagine. And I, I can't say I've seen anyone follow fear and excitement and it not work out better than they can possibly even conceive. And so you to your point, like you can't see, I always say you can't see the top of the staircase without taking the first step and the second step. And I think sometimes we're trying to like 
skip the steps and just jump up to the top and see what's up there. But like, you got to, you got to walk up the stairs. <laughs> so yeah. instead of focusing on the big step, which also can be really overwhelming and add to the fear because you're thinking about the huge staircase instead of like, what's one little thing I can do today that would just bring me a little bit closer. What's something else that I can do tomorrow or next week or next month? Mm-hmm. You know, it's not a race, but time is going to pass us anyway. And so why not use it taking little steps towards the things that are pulling you because they don't go away. And I think those whispers that I was talking about, I'm sure we've all had an experience in some way that at some point they get louder mm-hmm. and louder and they're going to get your attention. <laughs> and, and sometimes it's not going to be necessarily a nice way. You know, like for me, it was, I started having anxiety attacks. I've mm-hmm. had clients that have been hospitalized from burnout because we're ignoring those whispers. And we we know, we hear it. It might not be like a clear, go move to Paris and quit your job and get on a plane and start this business. But we're pulling and f- feeling nudges from our internal guidance system that is always guiding us. And so I encourage you to listen when it's a whisper and before it's a boulder, like knocking over. That. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. And you mentioned earlier that there are some tools that you use, or maybe you use with clients in terms of following the sphere. And I imagine tuning into that voice because I, I feel like there are probably people listening, listening, saying like, I don't know, I don't hear those nudges but they're there, right? So like, what are some tools that you can share with us uh, for following your fear, letting it guide us and hear, you know, listening in for those nudges? Yeah. So if you feel like you're not hearing anything, usually it's that we're just in overthinking mode. And I usually Mm -hmm. say clarity comes in the doing, not the thinking. Um, One tool that is not something I invented, if anyone has ever read uh, The Artist's Way, Mm -hmm. one tool that I use that I find really helpful is morning pages because I am an overthinker. (laughs) Just Mm -hmm. like getting it out of my head. And so, you know, you can do it in your own style, but it's essentially freehand writing of like, anything that comes to mind. It could be, I'm so excited to talk to Jessica on our podcast today. Oh, I don't know what I'm going to wear. Oh my gosh, I forgot to do a doctor's appointment for my baby. Get it all out of your head because usually it just means there's too much going on and you're no longer hearing your own voice. And so let's get all the noise out, all the chatter out. And I can say for myself, and I've had clients do this within one to two weeks, if you stay consistent with it and and literally every thought they, they recommend three pages, you know, if if you can get to two pages, great, but three pages is ideal of just freehand. Don't make it make sense. Don't reread it. Don't share it with anyone. It's not meant to be like a perfect journal entry. It's just literally every thought that comes to our brain within one to two weeks, people start to have more clarity, more productivity, Mm -hmm. more hearing again, their own voice. And I also think part of it is just starting to take messy action. So for me in the beginning, it was like, I don't know what my passion is, what my purpose is, but I just started playing. And that literally meant like I signed up for piano lessons. I figured mm-hmm. out in a weekend, I didn't like it. Okay. I, started- <laughs> <laughs> I traveled to Italy on my own for three weeks. I loved it. It was fun. I signed up for Airbnb experiences, like things that had nothing to do with creating a business, but that playing allowed me to figure out do I actually like doing these things or am I doing them because I think I'm supposed to like them? Do I actually enjoy these types of conversations or is this how I'm showing up in spaces because I think I'm supposed to say this or I'm supposed Mm -hmm. to present present like this? And so allowing yourself to play even outside of the thing that you're trying to figure out, whether it's your professional career or a business or something else, but just 
have fun. I think we miss that. And um, I know you're a new mom as well, but in watching my son discover the world, I think it reminds me that we all start like that, just playing and being curious and letting our curiosity just find us and follow that. And I think in doing that and taking piano lessons and figuring out, no, I don't like that. Traveling to Italy for three weeks, signing up for Airbnb experiences, I was able to start to tune into like who am I actually, and start to remove some of the layers that we often take Mm -hmm. on as a result of what we think society wants from us, what our parents wanted from us, what our friends wanted from us. And that often results in no longer hearing your own voice because you've taken on the voice that you think you're supposed to have. Right. And then in that way, that fear isn't even actually yours. Yeah, That fear is everyone else's, right? Because they put the idea into your head or they brought, you know, who you are in the depths of your soul, that's what we're listening for, right? These like signs, these cues, these things that come up for us, that's the real you. So listening to that is really listening to your heart and your soul. A hundred percent. And I think that's what you're saying is so important. If we want to, like you, you help your clients live their best lives as their best selves, we have to get back to ourselves in order to do that. Yeah. I think often we think about like needing to become something else. And for me, it's like coming back to who you actually Mm -hmm. are and getting connected to him or her in a more intimate way. That's really the next level version of you is like the person that you actually always were. (laughs) We just forgot somewhere along the way, or we, you know, things happen. I think, you know, you probably are aware of this too. We have conscious brain and subconscious brain. And so consciously, like, you know, that, you know, it's okay if not everyone likes what you posted online, or it's okay if you get one bad critique, but your subconscious brain reads that otherwise. And so our, oftentimes our subconscious brain is the one driving us of, I don't want to get rejected because if I'm rejected, it means I'm not good enough. And if I'm not good enough, people won't love me. And that all goes back to childhood. I make it, we can do a whole nother episode. All yeah. <laughs> usually our inner child is in there screaming for love and attention. Mm-hmm. And I really believe we only operate from two spaces, love or fear. And mm-hmm. so I also try to look from the perspective of like, is this a decision or a thought that I'm having that feels more towards love or more towards fear and, and really examine that for what it is. Cause there really are only two options of how we're vibrating, how we're putting, what we're putting out into the world and trying to look at like really how I feel internally, even when you're trying to make those initial decisions of should I take a Spanish class or a cooking class or whatever that looks like for you? Does it feel expansive? Does it feel fun? Or does it feel like constricting and like you have to change something about who you are? I think oftentimes we, especially in the online space, which I'm so glad we have because it allows us to see what's possible. But I also think oftentimes it creates so much more comparison of like, oh, Mm. she speaks like this in her business. So I need to talk like that. Or he or she is like doing this. So I need to do that. Whereas your people that are going to be your biggest supporters are coming to you for you. And so if you can start to shift into owning your voice, refinding your voice, that's where the magic's going to lie. You know, I'm an introvert. A lot of my clients come to me specifically because I share the fact that I'm an introvert and Mm -hmm. it's uncomfortable for me to get on camera and they love that about me. And so the little quirks that make you, you are the things that are going to be the magic, especially if you're someone building a business in your business. Absolutely. And you mentioned earlier, and I think you just mentioned it again, something about like discomfort and uncomfortable. And there's a lot of discomfort around following our fear. How do we, how do we shift through that discomfort? You shared the reframe 
Um, but what if that, if people are still coming up against the wall, you know, like what's another step or another tool we can use to take that discomfort and push through it? Yeah. So in terms of when you are looking at making a choice or taking an action or speaking up about something and it feels scary and uncomfortable. Um, again, I'm a big fan of like getting still and, and really listening and hearing what I need to hear from myself. Cause usually we have, we often search for the answers outside of ourselves, but usually we already know the answer internally. And I think if you're feeling still some discomfort, I would lean into that. I think we try to like erase fear and discomfort. Whereas mm-hmm. I'm like, Hey, fear and discomfort you're here and that's okay. Get in the car. Like we still have places to go, but like I'm driving, right? So they Mm -hmm. don't get to drive. I'm the driver. You're still here. You're in the backseat. I get it. You're not going away. That's fine. You can come with me, but we have to go and I'm the driver. And so really, I think it's not to try to get rid of it. It's acknowledging that discomfort fear, awkwardness, mistakes are part of being a human and and living life and accepting that as opposed to trying to like find a way to erase it. And so that's what I mean when I talk about following the fear is like, I'm not trying to get rid of fear. Let me go actually reframe this and chase it. I'm not trying to get rid of discomfort. It's still uncomfortable. I'm uncomfortable every single day. But I also, again, look at Am I going to be more uncomfortable when I look back five years from now and I realize I've been living the same life for the last five years? And we, when we think about also the, the things that we're usually afraid of, I let myself go down the rabbit hole. Okay, what if someone gives me a negative comment? And then what? And then what? Like go to the worst case scenario, confront it instead of trying to like run away from it and hide it, like actually allow yourself to go to the worst case scenario. And then I try to also remind myself like on the day that we all are no longer here, is this actually going to matter? <laughs> and 99.9% of the time, no, like no one's going to talk about the error on your email when they're at your funeral. Like it's just not going to matter. They're going to care about how you made them feel, how you lived your life. And so I lean into that more. I still know discomfort and fear are there, but I'm going to drive because I get to create this life that I only have one of. There are no do-overs. And so let me make the most of it. And if I fall on my face, at least I fell on my face trying and doing something that I was otherwise going to wonder what if about. Yeah, absolutely. And in what you're saying, there's a lot of trust, right? Self-trust, maybe trust in the universe, a higher power. And I feel like we end up talking about this in almost every episode on this show because so much of mindset and living powerfully and living with intention, which is what we talk about, requires that trust. So I feel like as we make these decisions and we push past the fear, we get these data points that tell us like, okay, that worked out. Okay, that happened the way I thought it was. You know, and and we can start building that trust. But before we're there and we're really unsure of ourselves and we're really uncertain that we're actually hearing what we're supposed to be hearing. We're actually being guided. Like, do you have any suggestions for how listeners can start building that trust? Like maybe one or two small things they can do to start developing that trust with themselves and, you know, their higher power. Yeah, I actually, so for me personally, I can't say that I've made decisions because I trusted them. I Hmm. didn't trust them at all. I didn't trust them at all. Um, But I also realized that I can't make decisions without data. Mm -hmm. And to get data, I have to have taken an action. 
And so right now I'm just guessing, right? Let's just say I'm like, I'm, I'm this person you're talking about. I'm in my room, I'm journaling, I'm thinking about all these things I want to do, but like, I don't really trust it's going to work out. Well, I can sit here and think about how I don't know for five years, or I can go and find out. Mm -hmm. And really, I think there's, there is no shortcut other than literally taking bold, messy action and under, and it's not about trusting the action. You don't have to trust it. You just have to do it. I do, I still do things that I don't trust. I don't know if it's going to work out. <laughs> right. Yeah. We're, and I think sometimes we look for other people, honestly, the most successful people that we all like admire in different, whatever area of their lives, we're all guessing here. We're all trying things. Oh, that didn't work. But now I have data about that and I can incorporate that data to make my next decision as opposed to what I did for years. And what I think a lot of us do for years is sitting journaling, reading, writing, searching for things outside of ourselves mm-hmm. when honestly it's all in here. And there, unfortunately, I wish I could give you some like better package answer of like some mini thing you can do. No, you literally have to just go out <laughs> and take like bold, uncomfortable, messy, and you're probably going to make, make a mistake. You're probably going to hear a no, like that is just part of it. And it's uncomfortable. It's not fun. I hear no every single day, but Mm -hmm. you know what? I also, as a result of allowing my health self to hear those no's, I also invite yeses because I can't get to the yeses without the no's. And so I'm better at it now, but my first thing was one, starting to hear my own voice. So that was me playing. And so I would start there doing things that aren't a big risk. Me signing up for piano classes, that wasn't a huge risk. Okay. I don't like piano. I don't like piano. Right. And so allowing yourself to play with things that aren't necessarily scary, just kind of like, Oh, I always thought about doing that. Go and start there. And then gradually you're going to start to one, hear your own voice of like, what do you, are you actually feeling pulled to? Mm. And then honestly, it's understanding that your first version of anything is probably going to be crappy Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) because you can't get to the 10th version Mm -hmm. that everyone sees. And then often we think that that was that person's first version. No, they've probably been doing it for years. You just saw the work that happened after those years, but they wouldn't have gotten to that if they didn't do the first version. Um, Oftentimes when people come into my group coaching program, I will share, they'll like, oh, how have you like done this? Or how have you created your modules are so good. Your videos are so good. And I'm like, I didn't even know what a module was five years ago. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like I just went and did it and it was horrible. And I cringe at my first version, but I wouldn't have been able to have now 800 people go through that program. If I didn't do that crappy first version, when I didn't know what Canva was, when I didn't know what a webinar was, when I didn't know what modules and teaching courses was, I was awkward. I said a bunch of ums. My slides were horribly designed. The colors were awful, but I put it out there. And five people got value from it. And a bunch of other people said no, but guess what? Those five people led to the next 10 people, led to the next 20 people. And so for me, there really is no, I'm going to trust it's going to work out. It's literally just deciding I need data. And the only way I can get data is by taking action. I can either sit here and stay in my head. So allow yourself to play, I think is that first step and then start to shift into what can, what's one little thing I can do today to bring me another step closer. Yeah. And I really uh, like the point to take messy action. And I think that speaks to a lot of the ladies who I know listen to this podcast and who are in my community and probably people you work with. 
us ambitious women are also tend to be perfectionists. Yes. <laughs> and so it, there's very much a level of letting go of that and letting it be okay that it's not going to be perfect. Yeah. I Before just talking with you today, I was recording a video for my Facebook page and I went to re-record it and I was like, no, let it go. Just mm-hmm. push because I can sit there and like re-record and, oh no, the lighting's not good. And, oh, my hair is out of place. And, oh, I said this word wrong. Like, who, none of that matters. The people that it's meant to touch will get the message, regardless of the fact my background looked bad or my hair was off, or I messed up a word, or I said, um, a bunch of times, none of that really matters. And so I have gotten better at taking messy action, but I still have moments where I'm like, oh my God, that looks awful. It's not good. It's not good enough. We all have it. It doesn't go away. The only way that you build that muscle is by starting with little things. And so, you know, what's one tiny thing that feels a little bit uncomfortable but not like, oh my gosh, I'm going to quit my job and move to Paris day one, right? That might not be your first thing, but what's one thing that's a little bit out of her comfort zone. Maybe for you, that's signing up for a class or signing up for something to learn something new, or maybe just starting to build your website or whatever that is for you. Just one little thing that feels, I don't know this. I don't know how it's going to work out, but let me just try it. And so kind of building up your risk taking (laughs) muscle little by little, but start with something. It's really just to start and allow the fear of not starting and what potentially could have been to drive you. Yeah. And this is the perfect example, listeners, as you're listening to this and she's saying this, what was that thing that popped into your head when she said, do something, like do something. That was this, that's what we're talking about. That was that little voice that you want to be listening to that thing that popped into your head. And you were like, I don't know, actually. No, but let's do something else. You know? Yeah, exactly. But then you're avoiding. Yeah. I posted a tweet the other day that like went viral, that the thing that you're avoiding is often the key that unlocks like everything else you're searching for. And so Mm -hmm. I asked my clients, I asked myself, like what uncomfortable decision, conversation or action are you avoiding? And usually that's the one you need to start with. (laughs) That's going to unlock the clarity around everything else that you're swirling around. Um, Whatever that, that might be in your personal life. It might be in professional life, but usually it's the one that's uncomfortable and leaning into that thing unlocks a whole nother world of everything else. And again, for me, it's not, I know it's going to work out. I know this is going to be good, but I'm so afraid of, cause I, I did that for years, literally years of journals of just like, I want to create a woman's empowerment platform. I want to host retreats. I want to do this. I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to, but I wasn't doing anything about it. And I could have stayed and did that another 10 years. And not to say I wouldn't have had a good life, but I think something inside of me, and if you're listening to this and it's resonating with you, you know, there's something inside of you that there's more out there for you. And that's what I mean by that internal nudge. And for me, it wasn't clear that I was going to do all these things in the way that I have. You're not supposed to know that yet, but that internal, like there's something more here. Follow that, allow yourself to play. Don't try to figure it out perfectly. Allow yourself to be messy, to make mistakes, you know? And I also encourage you to surround yourself with people who are supportive when, especially when you're first starting out, um, it is, you know, very awkward to put yourself out there and say, Hey, I'm, I'm doing this new thing that people have never seen you do before. Cause they have a certain way of seeing you since you've mm-hmm. shown up in that way for so long. And so really being protective of your energy and space, I created an Instagram page and it had 10,000 followers before for 
anyone knew about it. Like my best friends, no one knew about it. And they actually would have been super supportive, but I knew for me, like I just needed to do this on my own first and get comfortable with it before I was able to share it openly. And so that might be some version of that, what you need to do for you of like keeping it you know, share it with other people, but keep it however you need to protect that energy so that you can play without the fear of like, well, what is Marissa going to think? Or what is Tiffany going to think about this? Or what is my mom going to think about this? And allow yourself to play a little bit. And then as you start to get comfortable, you'll be able to share a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agreed. And that's that there's so much of that expectations that we feel. And I think that also keep us from following that fear is what other people's expectations are of us, how other people see us. It's not even necessarily us. It's it's what we think they want from us. And so much work to be done in the inner work, in the mindset work and working with coaches like you to help you shift past that and start making choices from, from you and not from expectations, not from who you think you're supposed to be. Yeah. Making empowered decisions. And I think also give yourself grace. Like you're learning something new, whether that is something technical that you're learning new or just a new way of being, because it's new for you. You've probably been operating in a certain way for so many years that it's ingrained, it's automatic. And I think we have this idea, you know, when I talk about like manifestation or mindset that you just like snap your fingers and it's like, okay, like I'm happy now. And I don't have imposter syndrome and I can do all these things without fear and no, like give yourself grace. It's going to be messy. The first few times, it's not just, oh, I journaled about gratitude for a few days and now I'm grateful all the time. Like, no, (laughs) you're human having human experiences. Like, as you know, as a new mom, like there's so much that happens when you, you change identities and you shift things. And even for myself, I've done so much work, but I still have moments where I'm like, just two weeks ago, I was like crying, ready to like burn down my whole business. Like I tell my clients all the time, like if you've never like wanted to give your two weeks notice to yourself, like Hmm. you probably haven't experienced entrepreneurship yet, but I have those moments all the time and it's been years and I have the markers of what people say are success in terms of revenue and clients and testimonials. But that doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. What matters is how I feel about me and how you feel about you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Beautiful. This has been amazing. I love this conversation. I love talking about fear and I love everything that you've brought to the conversation. As we wrap things up, what would be the one thing you want to make sure listeners walk away with from hearing this conversation? If nothing else, this one most important thing. Yeah, that there is a life even better than you can possibly imagine. When I say that, I really mean that. And that, when you talked about trust, that I'm 150% sure of. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you've come from. I don't care what you've experienced. I don't care what you failed at. There is a life that is so much better than you can possibly imagine waiting for you. Mm. All you have to do is decide. And a decision literally mean, for me means to cut. There's no plan B. There's no other option. It doesn't mean that it has to happen tomorrow. It doesn't mean it has to happen six months from now. There's no timeline. But I've decided that I'm going to step into the life that's waiting for me. And as I said, it's not going to be a I'm 100% sure. So I encourage you to just whatever that the ideas that have come to you as you're listening to this episode, because as you said, usually there's something that comes to mind that mm-hmm. we kind of ignore and we, we pretend like we didn't hear it. Go do that. Whatever that looks like for you, make a commitment to yourself. It's going to be uncomfortable. You might make a mistake. 
It might not work out like you wanted, but that one thing is going to unlock the key to so much more joy, happiness, fulfillment. I really believe that we're all here to be of service to each other and that we all have unique gifts that are part of our professional and personal experiences. And like your experiences, your stories are valid. And someone out there is literally just waiting for you to show up as you, nothing else. We don't need extra titles, extra certifications. All that's great and fine, but all we need is just you to show up and literally decide to co-create the life that is literally waiting for you to step inside of it. Yes, 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 yes. Everyone write that down. Exactly what she just said, (laughs) write it down, save it. Um, Shifting gears before we finish out, tell us what you're getting intentional about right now. Yeah. So I love that question. I'm actually getting intentional about creating peace. Hmm. Last year was, you know, just becoming a mom, like hiring team, like a whole bunch of identity changes. And for me, a lot of chaos. And I feel like this year I'm very intentional about creating peace. So I'm getting back to what I call like the basics. So as I talked about my morning pages, getting back to, you know, finding things that bring me joy. Also just asking for help, which Mm -hmm. I imagine your audience is probably similar to mine because we seem to have a similar mindset. (laughs) uh, We don't like to ask for help because we are like the doers. (laughs) And so getting comfortable saying like asking for help. I even ask my clients for help sometimes. Like, and that's okay of being vulnerable and like asking other people for help is something that I'm being, so again, to allow more peace in my life. So yeah, that's something I'm, I'm really intentional about this year, I would say, and just moving forward. Perfect. I love that. And where can listeners connect with you outside of the episode? Yes, I'm at the Bravo Life on all platforms. I'm mostly on Instagram. Send me a DM. I love to connect, send voice notes. Let me know if this was helpful and yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you again so much for being here with us today. Thank you. This is great. And thank you everyone for joining us. We will catch you on another episode of Mindset Reset Radio.